welcome to Rounding the Earth. Uh, this is another RTE Raw, meaning um, we're we're bringing a conversation here that uh, this is going to be you know, as, as well as we can mold it, but we're bringing a conversation that probably YouTube doesn't want, uh, doesn't want to see. We're not even streaming to YouTube tonight. Um, you know, th this is really, really important data and it's an extremely important project. And we just want to share it as widely as possible and possibly connect to more places where this project uh, can be ported to. And I'll explain that a little bit. Um, our guest tonight, John Bodwin, uh, subpoenaed, um, if I understand correctly, uh, had to subpoena to get, uh, sorry, had to um, uh, you know, file a records request to get all of the death records in Massachusetts, just all of them, to figure out what was going on with COVID. Everything from 2020 through 2022 at some point. And he has gone through with a fine tooth comb, examining these death records and figuring out what was going on. And, you know, some of these include things like, you know, people who died of COVID, but you know, it was blunt force trauma to the head. And then they tested, you know, posthumously for, for SARS-CoV-2 with PCR and said, oh, it's COVID death. Um, but there's much more important aspects to this, which is who is dying of what during the pandemic. And that's really, really revealing. And it actually, it, it turns out that it matches a lot of what I saw when I was working on the military health databases. And John and I have been talking, um, John and I and others have been talking about this data for um, most of 2022, maybe like nine months now or something, 10 months. Um, and uh, he, he's really he's really done an excellent job of putting things together. But this is a project, you know, he, he focused on Massachusetts, where he's from. This is a project that could be ported to any state and it should be ported to every state. Uh, he has, he has um, stepped forward with the offer to uh, take on the Florida data, for instance. And right now the state of Florida is kind of like, eh, we don't know if we want you to do that. And, you know, we would all like to think that Florida is, is going to be the most transparent, but that hasn't been the, the same. And um, a friend of mine um, just mentioned to me that uh, there is some Texas data available. So, um, you know, that is a possibility, whether it is a partial or, compl or, or complete set, I don't exactly know, um, but that may be something that we connect this to. And, uh, and I may help John, if he does this again, um, to be able to do it faster, because this is a project where if we get all the data from any one state, then in approximately a week, we can go through and take a look at all the all the death certificates and figure out exactly, um, you know, how much really is, uh, you know, COVID, um, meaning, um, you know, there are clearly a lot of death certificates where COVID had nothing to do with the death. There's just a positive test attached to it, right? Um, but then even aside from that, what we want to see is what were what were people dying of in 2020 and what are people dying of since 2020? Because that has changed dramatically. And that's one of the big revelations of John's data. And that's something that I saw as well in the DMED that really needs to be pointed out because we appear to have, you know, not only two very different looking pandemics, uh, I don't even know what you want to call it that, but excess death spans during during this, you know, pandemonium. Um, and and they look different both by by cause of both by type of illness, like whether it's respiratory, whether it's circulatory, you know, whether it's something like that, and the demographics have shifted dramatically. This is not the same thing going on. 
Um, so John's getting all of his data set up uh, to be able to talk with us now. He's got a whole bunch of slides and uh, and understand that this is still this, this presentation is still a work in progress. Uh, he's, he's got a lot of great slides and I've looked through a whole bunch of them, trying to relate some of them to to my own research. Um, but uh, this is something that will likely get better and tighter. And um, and here you're getting you're getting a, a very early preview of what is likely one of the best, you know, one, two or three you know, really nitty gritty data projects during the pandemic. So um, I'm going to bring John on now and introduce him to the audience. Hey, John, how are you? Very well, Matthew. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty well. We usually uh, see each other on a, uh, you know, kind of a midday evening time frame these days. <laughs> yeah, um, John and I have been in a uh, discussion circle um, that uh, Steve Kirsch organized. Uh, he calls it his vaccine uh, steering committee. Um, and, and you, we, we've talked about this data for months now. Um, so we usually meet once a week at least. So, um, John, uh, I, I'm going to let you introduce yourself to the audience because you can do a better job of, of that than I can. Sure. <clears throat> um, John Bodwin, uh, I'm an old guy, 58 years old. I was in the semiconductor industry for, I don't know, 30, 30 years or more, um, I'm an electrical engineer by degree with an MBA, but I spent most of my time in business. So I, I put together deals for um, mostly chips, uh, a lot of a lot of boards too, uh, intellectual property, uh, licensing. So contracts with large companies between and among uh, companies to facilitate, you know, what we used to call a system on a chip, things like that. Um, but for the past few years, I, I've been. Uh, I, I've been at home, <laughs> been at home. I, I, I raised three boys um, and uh, I, I'll stop there. But <clears throat> so how I get into this COVID thing was um, my son didn't believe it. I meant to prove to him that it's important that he takes it seriously. And when I went into the data, I found that he was right. And there's a lot of scam going on. And uh, so that's it. I'm not an expert in anything, though. That this, I was trying to think of what I wanted to say, Matthew. Um, yeah, so yeah, um, yeah. yeah. You know, here's where I may be able to talk about you, John. John is a really smart guy. Um, John, instead of uh, an entire lifetime as an expert doing the same thing, um, he has he's moved around. Uh, you know, he studied electrical engineering and then business. Uh, he's somebody who can retrain himself. And and recently, a few years ago, he decided he wanted to go back to law school. Um, one of those kinds of late career changes. And you know, I'm going to say this right now for uh, for people who are always worried about the American education system, the American economy, which, you know, is being included. There's so many things wrong with it. Um, but one of the best things about uh, the culture that we live in is the opportunity to go retrain yourself at any point in time, according to what it is that you want to push forward with doing. And John was headed to law school. So tell us about that. Okay. So let <clears throat> me I'll say I already said I was at home for a few years. I lost my son four years ago and uh, I was depressed and, and I sat at home. And when COVID hit, um, <clears throat> I, I got a sign from my son. And I don't believe stuff like that. I always thought people were wacky. But uh, it happened to me. And um, I'll tell you a little bit about that real quickly. My son's friend was coming over for second anniversary of his death. We were going to have beers and, and a fire pit on the patio out back. Um, these were his friends from high school. 
who had just graduated from college. And the, I named my website uh, Via Vera Vita, which is the way, the truth, and the life, L-I-F-E. Uh, I intended to look for truth and light, uh, like Veritas Lux. Veritas Lux was taken. So my second choice, I just typed it into Google, and Google said, way, truth, life, L-I-F-E. I thought, oh, that sounds good, too, uh, via Veritas Vita. But that was taken, so I ended up with a plural of truth, truths, which is Vera. So it's via Vera Vita. So that's my website. So Matthew is coming over. The other Matthew, sorry. My, my son's friend Matthew was coming over for beers. And uh, he's very religious. And I thought, you know, I don't know what that means. It sounds like it's from the Bible. Um, and uh, I, was at a, I was at a red light. And I, real quickly, I just said, I Googled Way Truth Life Bible. And, and it came back with John chapter 14, verse 6. And my son John was born on the 14th day of June. And so what are the odds that I would be steered toward the name of a website that is a Bible verse? That's my son's name, chapter, verse of his of his month, day, and name. It was it shocked me. So I I started crying in the car, and uh, the, the light turned green. I put the phone down, and I heard on the radio in the exact moment, the exact verse, sweet child of mine. And so the, the odds just keep piling up that this was not normal. And I had sued uh, Governor Baker over the mask mandate. So uh, within two weeks, I was like, I think somebody's telling me to go to law school. I, at least I, I interpreted it that way for some reason. And so um, there was a law school in Massachusetts that did not require an LSAT. I, I found out later why, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, so I enrolled in the law school. And at 56 years old, I started working toward a law degree. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'll be clearing my throat a lot tonight. I had something in August, something that shall not be named. And uh, that I got, I got thrown out because I wouldn't get the vaccine. Um, they, they offered a religious exemption. I applied for it. They didn't like the way I wrote it, apparently, because they wrote a letter to the deacon arguing with him about fetal cell lines. I said nothing about fetal cell lines. Uh, I, I made up my legal argument on my own. Uh, having read a bunch that I didn't like any of them, it's supposed to be a personally held belief, and everybody's using these stock forms. How can everybody stamp out the same personal religious belief? You know, it should be from the heart, from the soul. That's interesting about the fetal cell lines because that tells you that there was almost like a, a preparation for, for the arguments or, or something like that, like a templating. And I and and I I saw something similar going on in in Hawaii when I talked to people there. But sorry, go, yeah, go on. You're absolutely right, Matthew. Uh, and in fact, the dean of the school was one of the key lawyers in the Boston. Uh, issue that they had with the Catholic Church and the pedophilia. So he he was not working for the church. He was working for the plaintiffs. And so he he's his mind is all like he thinks he knows all about Catholics. <laughs> I I my my personal belief is not in alignment with the Vatican right now, I'll tell you that. Um, but but I do have a personally held re religious belief. I do believe in Jesus Christ and God. And so um they didn't they didn't deny it. They didn't accept it. Nothing. Didn't hear from them. I called them up. They said, oh yeah, you'll find out in a few weeks. I called them up again. Oh, he's back from uh, vacation. He'll get to it in July, uh, early July. Didn't hear from him. Another email. Oh, we didn't hear from the deacon. It's like, what are you waiting to hear from him for? He's got nothing to do with me. 
I mean, he's a friend of mine. He didn't <laughs> write it as clergy. He wrote it as a friend who attends the same Bible study. So we don't want to talk about this tonight. I'll just say that to this day, I've never heard from them. They didn't accept it. They didn't deny it. They sent me a letter saying I was unenrolled before registration even closed. They did not want me at that school. They didn't want me there. I'll get into one of, one of the reasons why in this presentation. I, uh, one of The torts professor asked me to do a, a video. Everybody had to do a 10-minute video, but he tapped me to do the economics part. So uh, I'll stop there. But uh, yeah, I did, a, I did a year in law school. So I know a little, you know, little wee, wee bit about civil procedure and contracts and torts. Um, and then I've <clears throat> got the economics from the MBA. So, you know, I'm not an expert in anything. I, I don't like statistics. I know that's your thing. I don't like confidence intervals. So I just like forensically digging into something and finding out what the hell happened. So that's what I did. Should we move to uh, presentation sharing or, or you want to ask me any other questions? <laughs> I can be long-winded. <laughs> Matthew, you're muted. I see your mouth moving. Thank you. Apologies. Um, I, I knew that um, that your journey toward law school, it, this part always interested me because I felt like there were too few lawyers involved in all of this, given how much obvious shenanigans has gone on. Uh, it has always struck me that there are too few lawyers involved. So anyway, um, that that's that's always struck me and you you seem like a, a pretty natural legal mind so let's let's do let's let's take a look at um at what you've got for us so you um you filed a lawsuit and and got a hold of all of the massachusetts death records and 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 they tried to push this back as far as possible they kind of treated it exactly like your request for a religious exemption for not getting vaccinated um, they, what, what did they do? Release the documents to you on the last day and tried to see if they could outlast you. Yeah, I think, so let me back up a little bit because you're confusing. We've talked a lot over a long time and you're confusing two things. So I'm crossing two wires here. Okay. I'll, yeah, I'll, let you explain okay. It. I'll, I'll explain it. Um, I requested anytime the governor or the uh, public health commissioner or anybody in the department of public health used the term mask or face covering. And that was for my prior lawsuit that I filed in June of 2020, right away, as soon as they did the mask thing. I'm deaf in one ear. My legal theory was um, they're depriving me of the right to receive free speech because free speech is not just right to speak freely, it's bi-directional. So they, they deprived me of the right to receive free speech from others by covering their mouths. I need to see lips move in order to hear better because of my deaf ear and because it was so unique and it was so obvious that it was a first amendment violation he rescinded order 531 uh, and he issued order 55 with an exception in paragraph 2b that says anybody speaking to anybody hearing impaired and anybody hearing impaired does not have to wear a mask therefore i had no personalized standing you can't sue for other people you can only sue for yourself and so the the personalized complaint went away uh, and it was dismissed now, in, in the course of that lawsuit, I requested <clears throat> that uh, pub, that was a public records request. So it, it's, it's not a lawsuit at that point. It would go to a lawsuit if they didn't give me the information. They dragged their feet for five months. They're supposed to get it to me in 10 days. And on the day that my lawsuit was dismissed, they gave me over 1,000 pages. And in those 1,000 pages, 
I know we're not here to talk about masks, but I'll just say they had contracted the prof with Professor Gregory Rutledge of MIT. And they, they gave him samples from the 3 million masks that um, were flown into Massachusetts from China. You can look up, you can look this up in the news. It was a big thing. It was a big coup. Governor Baker of Massachusetts got 3 million masks from China, KN95s, when everybody else was scrambling for masks. In fact, they sent the, the New England Patriots football team plane over to China to get the masks. They filled the plane up, the, the players plane up with masks. And uh, they tested them and uh, they were nowhere near what they were supposed to be. Um, they were like 40 to, something like 40 to 80% efficient depending on the batch. Um, so there, there was also other things in the email. Long story short, on April 20th of 2020, two weeks, before he issued the mask order, the governor knew that masks don't work. They knew that KN95s don't work, let, let alone those flimsy things, though, you know, anybody just throw any piece of cotton on your face kind of mask. They just don't work against an aerosolized virus. And so he knew it. He issued the order anyway. So that's what took five months. Uh, fast forward to 2022. Um, in my presentation, I show, you know, what, what set me off was a seven-year-old girl had died from COVID and uh, <clears throat> no way, you know, I, I, I didn't believe it. I did not believe she died from COVID. So I uh, have a, I'm in a group of Team Reality Massachusetts and we, um, I, I wrote up about eight, seven or eight uh, public records requests um, for a bunch of stuff. And one of them was all the death certificates in Massachusetts. And they gave them to us. They, they didn't hold them back. That was it. It's like, here you go. So I got them. <laughs> um, yeah, that's how I got those. Okay. So um, so you want, you want to start showing us what you found in those death certificates? Sure. So I, I have control of this, right? Yes. All right. Um, so skip this if you already know what happened. And what happened was the... Um, the respiratory deaths of 2020, you said in the lead in before you brought me in, you were absolutely right in saying the demographic completely changed. So it's much younger people and they're dying of much different things. Um, I mentioned earlier that the, uh, the law professor came to me, asked me to do something on, um, on torts. Where did you go? All right, I wanna be able to see you. Okay, thank you. So he asked me to do uh, something on torts. The, the first 10 minutes of this video, and you can go to YouTube, it's still up there. It talks about economics terms. And then the second half applies the economics terms to the situation of giving all the pharma companies immunity from tort and, and why that's such a bad thing. Because it changes behaviors of people. And the behavior that it changed is they no longer have an incentive to do a good job in trials or to make sure it's safe. They are geared toward money as you would expect them to be. So it's not all pharma's fault. It's also the fault of the United States government in giving them immunity. And in the immunity shifts, the, uh, the precautions that would otherwise be taken, it's called burden of precautions, shifts it from the manufacturer who would pay, you know, a, a billion dollars for trials across a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of tests, a lot of studying over years, 
what they would otherwise pay is shifted onto the people. And we don't pay money, we pay with our lives and our health. And, and so that uh, externality is, is borne by the people. And the, the drug companies walk away with all the cash. So that's what the uh, video is about. I talked about this the other day. Let's see, VARES. I got into VARES. I did some string searches. Uh, it's a very difficult database to parse. But if you if you do some interesting things with string searches, you can find um, all the different things that happened. Then I looked at deaths in teenagers, and there were many. And, and this is April, May, June, July of 2021. The vaccine was brand new. Already, there were many, many people have died, and uh, even even teenagers, even young people, even young people. Yeah, it was terrible. I know it's difficult to read, so I'll just plow through it. Um, a lot of myocard. I just say what they died from: myocarditis, uh, stroke, um, massive acute intracranial hemorrhage. That's another stroke. Blood clot, pulmonary embolism. So it, standard stuff. Other studies that I did were relative to weather. <clears throat> then I got into the CDC data. And what you see here are categories. So influ influenza and pneumonia, chronic lower, lower respiratory. Each one of these from the CDC is an aggregate of many codes, not one individual code, but many. And, and therein lies the problem for us out, out in the field trying to parse the data and figure out what's going on when they give you multiple codes, you just assume that, okay, well, it's the same thing. So is it affecting anybody's, you know, lungs or kidney failure or um, heart? But it doesn't say whether it's- And, and you know, if I could stop you there, I'm gonna mention, um, you know, not having been trained in, you know, uh, searching through medical health databases, it took me a while to realize this, that there are these aggregations of all these different codes and to run, you know, queries, in these databases, um, if you don't know what these traditional aggregations are, it's actually a little bit of a nightmare. You can fool yourself into thinking that you're searching for the right thing uh, when you're only searching for a subset at times, and um, and it, it almost seems like uh, like there's a like a deliberate over granularity to some of this. Yeah, yeah. In fact, <clears throat> if you look at just the letters in the front sometimes they cross boundaries into completely disparate types of symptoms. Like D, you would think is all blood. You go to look at it and you find some other stuff. I think it's more C. Um, yeah, D, a D might have benign uh, benign tumors, whereas C is going to have the they're mostly malignant. So there, there are some issues. Um, and it was tough. And I'm with you, man. I didn't know anything about this before. Uh, yeah, it's almost like part of the doctor's job is not even just diagnostics in the current system, like in the U.S. and maybe maybe a lot of Western medicine. The doctor's job is not just uh, just diagnostic. It, it actually seems to be in in taking very similar groups of symptoms and deciding which bucket to put them in. And there's almost like there, there's like an unspoken code to this in a sense. Right. Um, it's, it's just like uh, what Chris Masterjohn said about uh, uh, paralysis um, with polio. And after the polio vaccine, you wind up with these two groups of people who have very similar paralysis. But one group has had polio, you know, polio. So you call it some one thing you call it polio and the other group has had vaccination. And so it gets called something else. 
Yeah. And this, this is where we're a little different because as you talk about doctors and I'm listening, it's like, I don't have that. I have death, I have death certificates. So the medical examiners are the ones filling out the death certificates and you have doc, what, what you look through is doctors treating patients and they'll hand off their written um, <clears throat> evaluation to a medical coder in a hospital. And it's the medical coder that's putting in the ICD-10 codes. It's just, you know, it's a, it's a kind of a, almost a clerical job in a hospital. Uh, same thing with the medical examiners, but the medical examiner is looking through the doctor's charts and notes that were written, <clears throat> excuse me, um, for something like you you were you would see in the DMAT. So there are some differences, but eventually, you know, we we found the same stuff. Um, so this is the CDC stuff. Uh, all I'm showing here is there was no influenza or pneumonia, chronic lower respiratory, uh, ischemic heart disease went to zero. It, it's it's kind of crazy. Um, but this is why I couldn't find anything and why most people can't find anything. Um, get, getting This is the girl, little seven-year-old girl who died that set me off. Um, there's no way a healthy girl died. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I went into VAERS and, and I found it. And then that, that's what set me to get the, uh, the death certificates. We got them and um, off we went. Uh, so the summary of everything, if it's skipping to the end, uh, I just put the end in the beginning here, all cause went down year over year. 2020 was a massive amount of deaths in Massachusetts. Um, and it all happened in about 10 weeks, maybe eight weeks in, uh, mid-March to, I keep saying that, but you know, it really started at the end of February, um, to mid-June. So all cause went down along with COVID year over year, 2020 to 2021, along with pneumonia and other respiratory. So if they're all going down, nothing should be going up. I mean, 10,000 fewer people died, or uh, at that point, 5,000 fewer people died year over year in this. So why were, why were blood-related codes going up? So Ds are the blood itself and some blood-forming organs. Um, the I codes are the, are the, I call it the blood transport system, but it's the circulatory system. And um, certain blood-related cancers went up when everything else went down. That's really odd. Because if it's a disease and it's truly a disease, the disease is doing the same thing year to year. It doesn't change what it does to people. And this disease seems to seems to have said on a year boundary, at the same time at which they started injecting people, the disease said, you know, I'm tired with this, I'm tired of this pneumonia thing. I'm gonna go start giving heart attacks and pulmonary emboli. So it's kind of that's kind of what happened. Um, <clears throat> I'm just saying here that my intent was not to get this database and work on it myself. My intent was to legally get the database and hand it off to professors and researchers. Um, and I tried. I tried. Um, uh, Joel Smalley picked it up right away, did a great article, and uh, immediately. I mean, he, he put that article out so fast. It was awesome. Um, but then still, nobody still picked it up, even after he wrote a great article that he got a lot of big splash on. Uh, so I was like, you know what, I'll just do it myself. And that's how I ended up finding stuff. Um, this goes into the first foray into the data, start with all cause. <clears throat> Excuse me. The, the pandemic in number one in there in the top left, it's quite obvious. I, I, made, I made 2015 through 2019 the same color. Um, and it was nice because it showed a band of normal. 
Now, none of this is curved smooth. It's not averaged. It's just all raw data every single day for the entire year, year after year. And what you see is the obvious pandemic, and then you see the blue sticking up above the red in the second half of the year. And that bothered me. So then I, I took an average of the red line, excuse me, and in that average is number two in the top right. Blue is definitely above red, almost consistently. <clears throat> so you know, th th there's an issue here. You know, it shouldn't be above red unless there was a um, consecutive year increase trend of more, 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 and then you would expect it to be more. Um, so that you all keep that in the back of your mind. It's um, it's even above black yes. for the second half of the year. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, I'll, I'll show you in the next slide. It, it'll roll up. I do the two years consecutively so that you can see where the where the I don't know if you can see my mouse here. Yeah, you can. So where the black ends in 2020, you know, blue begins over here. Yeah. And then in the next slide, I'll show you a con contiguous uh, year after year. But let me show you. Really, really, you know, blue is above black for everything except for that March, you know, late March through um, early June period of the very first wave of the pandemic. Right. Right. And, and, and this is that is the problem is that why is blue above all year? This is a seasonal virus. I've proved that through 50 different countries. I didn't show you the, I spared you guys the um, the prior um, temperature and humidity climate stuff that I did around the world. Um, and the, the seasonal triggers, it's dead on almost everywhere you go. And where it's not dead on, I found out that I, I messed up Bolivia, um, but I didn't mess up Bolivia because I didn't realize that um, La Paz is 10,000 feet high. You know, it, it's dry and, and cool all year long. Uh, so I didn't make a mistake. Anyway, it, it, bottom left is a uh, seven-day rolling average for each year. <clears throat> Curve smoothing, basically. And now you see the blue is really above the red and the black from July through uh, November. And then what I did was I normalized to a, a straight line. That's just the difference between the, uh, the average of that day from, from the prior five years and the, the given year, blue being 2021, black being 2020. A few interesting things here. Blue starts high in the second wave, <coughs> excuse me, and goes down to zero. Now you think, okay, uh, it, the wave is over and it's at zero. Well, we're going to find out in a couple of slides. It's not really. But then it goes up in July and you have a steady state increase. The only reason it's so small is because the graph is set and tuned to this extremely high wave. So you can tune a graph to anything, right? Um, what you see here is between 10 and 20 deaths per day every single day for half a year. And that's up to 2,000 deaths. That, that's a lot of death. You know, that, that's a, a consistent amount of death that started not seasonally, but in July. There's something really, really wrong going on here. This is not COVID. It's not a seasonal virus. This is 2021 in the middle of the year. And you've heard people say that, hey, there's a lag with the vaccine and there's a five-month lag. And a lot of people are talking about that because they don't have the individual data. And I'm going to explain that in a few slides. But not having the individual data will hide signals. Um, and, and again, I'll show you that. So let me move on. 
and I'll, I'll go ahead and say this. I personally, I don't buy the uh, five-month ticking clock. I, I think that it's seasonality during the summer. Um, suddenly, people have more stress on their cardio system. There, I, I'll bet there's something to that, Matthew. I, I, I'll bet that you're right in part. But I'm going to show you that there was no seasonality and it was not zero. I'll show you on the next slide. So the um, you got the first wave. Again, this is the two years kind of stuck together, right? So you get to see a continuous timeline. Now you can really see that second wave where 20, uh, 2020 ends and 2021 begins right here. Uh, right under the second wave is where the year boundary is. Um, that, that purple circle, not really part of this topic, but somebody could really study that. This this wave was going down. It was seriously going down. If you get rid of that big wave and you take a look at this, waves don't generally change direction. I know you see other places where it did, but um, I believe this was a wave of vaccination deaths that occurred in nursing homes where they injected 90 and 80-year-old people and they all dropped. Right. I, I that does not look like uh, a viral wave. Um, for anybody who wants to think about R, you know, R, you know, the, the reproduction number, um, R would be like the slope of that. You know, if we smooth that curve out, it would be like the slope of that formation at any point in time. And R should start out, should start out during like a, a viral epidemic wave. It should look more like the one on the left where, where the, the slope starts extremely high. It moves toward zero and then it goes negative and when we, we fall down the hill. You should not have a situation where it, it, it goes up to a peak and then stays around, you know, modestly, you know, numbers that are near zero, right? What, what this formation is that John is pointing out looks to be two waves with partial interference. Exactly. I agree. I agree. So there's something not COVID happening there. And that's basically where the vaccines were beginning. <clears throat> um, they started in January, I believe, in the over 70s. And there's a schedule. You can look it up um, for almost every state. And it was, you know, they went like 10-year increments every month and then a couple of weeks. And by the time you get to May, it's everybody but the 5 to 11. That was that was November was five to 11s. So back to the graph. After the second wave, you see it go to zero. And then there's the anomaly of concern in the ellipse. So in my mind, um, there nothing was happening in this in this time period from February to uh, July. I figured it was seasonality. Um, but again, this out of season July to November, it should have been zero, but it wasn't. So what's killing all these people? And then you see what Matthew was saying was that the shapes of uh, first derivative of a Gompertz curve first uh, an SIR curve is is kind of what's on the bottom left. And don't worry about the equations. I just had to throw in some constants trying to tune the graph to what I wanted it to look yeah, like. Can, can you go back for just a second? Yeah, sure. So yeah, the the um, the virus or the, the COVID crowd is going to say, that those excess deaths, you know, from June onward, those are, those are, you know, it's the unvaccinated. They still have their own like waves going on. <laughs> no, then why didn't it happen over here? Why didn't it happen in the first year when everybody was exposed? Oh, to because, because the variants rotated and each variant affects the population a little bit differently. Oh, 
No, but, yeah. but we're going to get into that. But I, I wanted to say that argument about out loud because I know that there are going to be people thinking that and thinking, oh, we've got them. You know, like like <laughs> John and Matthew, they just don't understand things. Um, but I, I wanted to state that out loud because we're going to get into the nitty gritty of what the ICD-10 codes say. So I'll let yeah. you move on. Thank you. Yeah, let me let me get through this early stuff. Um, so I created heat maps. I just put conditions on all the cells. And if they reach certain marks, then they change color. <clears throat> um, you see in the top left, 2020, and the bottom right is 2021. Let's look at 2020 first. You saw that big wave, right? You see this ellipse. These are standard deviations above mean. Now, you know, a statistician would say for each of these, five data points is really not much to go on, right? But, but this is just me going through a forensic process, trying to find out what's going on. This isn't to be published in a research paper. Um, when I say five data points, I mean 2015, 16, 17, 18, and 19. Right. So I take the mean standard deviation and then these cells are standard deviations above mean for each cell across the top are ages with the far right being 85, then 80 to 84 and, and going down in age all the way down to less than one month. The left is from top to bottom, January to December, 24 periods per year, bimonthly, excuse me, uh, semi-monthly. So. The ellipse here is that first big wave. If you go down and look bottom left of the slide, you see the, the graph and it's, I'm putting an arrow to that, that peak. This By is, the way, um, um, just, I, I feel like I have to say this and uh, statisticians watching this may be thinking this. I think that you may have your standard deviation computed incorrectly. I think that you have a multiplication factor in here. Ordinarily, if, if, you, if you have standard deviations across a map Let, let's say there, there's you know a part of this grid that is not affected by much of anything like let's say the lower ages are probably closer to normal uh, approximately two-thirds of your values should be between negative one and one and you should have very very few ever that are outside of the range of two i'm wondering if you didn't account for like the five years or something i i, I want to look at your spreadsheet and and it, it doesn't really matter it doesn't it doesn't take away from this presentation because even if your standard deviations are like elevated by a factor of five it is still true that these are all out of whack right here it is still true that the general map that you have here is still appropriate for the discussion I, I appreciate that very much, and I, I do want to have that discussion with you because um, most of them are like 1, 1.1, 1, 1. 1.4, 0. 0.9, 1, 1.3, 1. 1.4, and so forth. Uh, all Those are all the white numbers I was reading. And I did this three different ways, but I chose this one to throw up here because it was just better visually on a heat map. I did percentage over, um, percentage over mean, and then I did uh, raw numbers over mean. Um, so th this is the big wave. Then you have nothing is the green, right? And you see that down here in the graph, the bottom lower graph. It's, uh, it's, it's bouncing around zero. And then you have a small winter wave beginning at the end of the year. But pay attention to this lot of nothing and also maybe a little bit of blue here. Uh, so th that's, that's 2020. Now let's move to 2021. You see on the far right, this uh, blue rectangle with rounded corners in the far right. The, these are far below mean, uh, minus seven, minus 14, minus four, minus four, minus five, and so forth. 
And now I'm looking at the 65 to 74 and 75 to 79 in this dark brownish red uh, rectangle. It goes top to bottom, January to December, all year long. There's a few white in there. <clears throat> Excuse me. There's a, there are a few white, but for the most part, it's, it's top to bottom. And those are pretty high. Uh, bear in mind that the graph again and the, the table is tuned to a very, very large wave. So th these numbers are actually pretty big. Now, being all year long, that's extra death in these age categories all year long, and nobody really knew about it uh, because it does not show up in, in all cause because the blue on the right cancels out the, the pink. And so you have on this graph, everybody thinks, well, nothing was happening from February to June. But yes, it was happening. It was happening as much, if not more, in in February to June as it was at the end of the year. This is mortality compression. This is uh, it, my my opinion. Looking at this, is these are deaths that were going to happen over the next few months that were sort of sucked into a more immediate death frame. And I'm I'm gonna. I'm going to take up the screen for just a moment and show this. I, I found this in some places. Um, this is in Greece. Greece had no pandemic, really, not particularly, but, uh, prior to vaccination rollout. They handled things very well. They were giving out um, you know, hydroxychloroquine and, uh, and, and antibiotics. And given that half the people who die of COVID die of pneumonia, um, antibiotics are really, really important, whether or not that positive is a false positive or not, right? Um, I think that that in order to reach vaccine rollout, and of course, they have this excess death pattern that looks a lot like Massachusetts, right? But I think that in order to get to this point where they were got everybody to take the vaccine, they needed a wave. They didn't have a COVID wave in early 2020. They didn't have it until November, December. And then they have this wave, but then they have, you know, it, it, it snaps back, right? I think... I think this is people being pushed off a cliff in hospitals in order to create a wave. It's to, it's to pull forward deaths. That's the way it's supposed to look is that after you have a big one, it's supposed to go down below zero for a little while. Yeah. Mean reversion. Yeah. And mine doesn't. Oh, I'm <laughs> sorry. I, I, I accidentally removed your slideshow uh, by oh. doing that. Um, if you could bring that back. Uh, oh, there you go. So wait, what do I do? Oh, I got it. You got it. Okay. I don't have to touch anything. All right. So the, the most important thing here is that people realized that as soon as the VAC started, there were excess deaths in 65 to 80. Uh, there were some <clears throat> in the 60 to 64 as well. But and again, this is all cause. There was not a going down to zero for a while in seasonality. It didn't happen. So th this this excess death that was happening from july through november that's kind of steady state that was happening all year long it's just that the deficit in the blue here in the 85 pluses was so great that it canceled out that part and then since since it canceled out it kind of caught up to itself in the 85s and they started dying again and therefore you have this steady state above normal um, it's just one of the one of the hidden signals that was difficult to find uh, i wasn't looking for it. I'm just kind of looking at anomalies and trying to figure out what's happening. Um, so, oops. 
So this 10.5 and 9.3 in the black circle, that go, it says investigate next slide. Because these numbers are so much bigger than the others, I thought it would be a good place to, to go down into the records and see what's happening. So this was first half of September, first half of October in the age group 65 to 74. So what do I do? I go and I filter on those. And when I filtered on those, I found, I just started looking and then I saw like pulmonary embolism four times in a row. And I thought, oh, that's a good place to start. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go look at that. So I, I built this generator to generate these, um, these graphs. E each, each of these, this is 12 graphs, um, 11 age groups plus a totals graph in the bottom right. I really only look at the bottom two rows. Um, sometimes I look at the top right, um, which is 25 to 44. And what I found is that pulmonary emboli were off the charts, really. I mean, 1,011 is a lot, uh, but visually, I don't have to do any statistical uh, calculations on this. I can see visually 2015 through 2019, no matter how you draw that line, whether it's straight across or you try to figure out a trend line somehow, um, it's, it's hitting way below. And given that there were 10,000 extra deaths in 2020, of course, there are going to be some with pulmonary emboli. Of course, 2020 is going to be more. But then if you remember from the very beginning, all-cause was down from 2020 to 2021, not up. But pulmonary embolism went up. It's going the wrong way. So I thought I was onto something, and I realized what an I-code is and circulatory system. So I thought, you know, I keep hearing about heart attacks and blood clots and stuff. Let me try to look at that. So um, – I built another kind of generator where I, I just type in the ICD-10 codes in the left. And the way I built it, I can I can put in uh, the full code or I can put in partial codes. So I can write I and I'll get all the I codes. I can write I8 and I'll get everything with I8, I80, I80 or I802. Um, you don't have to see these individually. I just want you to notice that in 2020 and 2021, when I compare the two, um, which one is greater as a percentage over the trend and average from 2014 to 2015? Oh, wow. I, I'm, I'm so jealous. I wish I could search the military health database this way. I, I love that. I like the way that you built that. Yeah. So obviously the I codes are dominating here. And, and, and don't forget, I'm going to keep saying this. 10,000 extra, roughly 60,000 people die per year in Massachusetts. There were 69,000 in 2021, and there were 60, almost 64,000 in 20, excuse me, I said that backwards, <laughs> 69,000 in 2020, almost 64,000 in 2021. So there's a lot more people who died in 2020. So everything should kind of be up more in 2020. But no, the I codes are up even more than 2020. Um, and they're up significantly over the over the trend of the prior years. You get 20% and 40% and so forth. All I want you to do is concentrate on the yellow stripe. The yellow stripe is more in 2021 than 2020 for the I codes. And then um, there's a couple of R codes here that don't, don't pay any attention to them yet. It's just uh, they're there because they were in the chart that I built. R91 is abnormal findings of diagnostic of the lung. And R99, we'll talk about that for a little bit later. It's a holding, it's a holding bin uh, for the younger people who have to go through autopsy as required by law. Um, they're so backed up, it takes six months for them to resolve. Uh, 
and that that was happening even before the pandemic. <clears throat> Though we we do know that they might be screwing around with our codes, and when they're done, they kind of peanut butter them across so that you don't have any strong signal and heart attacks or something. But we can't prove that. So uh, let me move on to J codes, which is the bottom half of this. And in the J codes, the year of a respiratory illness being COVID in 2020, you see that 2020 is the yellow stripe on the left. Going down from that is that is closer to normal. We should be seeing more J codes than I codes in death certificates in any given year. Respiratory illness is you know right up there at the top. It, it's around that time of year, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so I, I did find some on the right, um, but when I think about it, a lot of these, you know, pulmonary edema. Um, interstitial pulmonary disease, hmm, that could be both. Uh, I'm not a doctor, I'm not gonna pretend to be a doctor, but some of these are on the boundary between the blood system and the respiratory system. And so you would expect some of these to be higher, uh, even in even from the VAX, even in 2021. So uh, getting down to the bottom, respiratory failure, other respiratory disorders, respiratory disorder. So again, respiratory is more. So what I found was there's a significant difference between I codes and J codes between 2021 and 2020. And you, one year is more I, the other is more J. And I think I found a, a big problem in that um, diseases don't change their... And this, this fits what we were talking about earlier, that winter wave, the end of 2020 and early 2021. Um, you know, John and I, and, and it sounds like Joel Smalley, uh, it sounds like we all agree that that looks more like two waves creating an interference pattern coming together. And here we see very specifically the causes of death shifting between 2020 and 2021. This is not the same illness. This is not the same thing going on causing these deaths. Yeah. Hey, Matthew, I, I forgot to ask, what's the, what's the timing on this? Cause I, I want to start blowing through stuff if this is time limited. You know, it, um, uh, take the time that you want to take uh, okay. for clarity, you know, and if you want to cut this at any point, if you have a stop clock, um, no. you know, let me know and manage it. I'm here as long as you want to present. All right. Sounds good. Um, I, I had something when I was younger in my young twenties, maybe 23, 24 years old. I went to the doctor and I was like, I thought I had testicular cancer, but I didn't thank God. And I'm still here. Um, but what I realized in speaking to him at that young age was that testicular cancer occurs in younger men and prostate cancer, my father died from, occurs in older men. And I know cancer has nothing to do with the respiratory virus, but I'm trying to show up, just make the point here that when you're looking at graphs you, and you can look at age and time, who gets it, who dies, what percentages, um, you see in the top graph here, the median age of prostate cancer is 67 the graph is weighted to the right in a higher age group. And you, you have a pattern of a, um, a slow rise and then a fast down. Whereas in the bottom graph, you have a 32 median age of testicular cancer, very much different. And uh, the, the point here is that a disease, whether it's cancer or whatever virus, has an age spectrum profile. Um, the Spanish flu, the average age was 28, 28 when somebody died. Now, granted, the, the life expectancy then was below 50, 
I think it was 48 for a couple of years, but it was around around that time. It was generally around 51 to 54. But for those two years, it dipped into the 40s for the reason of the Spanish flu. Um, whereas you have COVID, the average age of COVID death in Massachusetts in 2020 was 81.3. It's a pretty darn high number. And uh, I just want you to think about these things as we go through here. And now I'm going to show you having nothing to do, probably, well, might have something to do with the vaccine, but this is the biggest code. And remember when I said CDC gives aggregate codes and people are finding these small signals and they, they, there was one that was N17 through N19, which aggregates chronic and acute. And when you do that, you don't have a strong signal. So is CDC aggregating them on purpose to hide signals? Nah, I don't think so. I think it's just what they've been doing for decades, and it just happened to hide this signal. But this is the biggest signal of anything. And what you see here, uh, bear in mind, it's every each year, 2015 through 2022, is only Jan 1 through August 15. I wanted to compare apples to apples and see what was going on in 2022. And because Massachusetts is a very northern uh, seasonal climate, <clears throat> the only way to do that was to uh, take the same time period each year to do an apples to apples comparison. And so here it is. And you see a, a somewhat deterministic 2015 through 2019. That is a mean black line, um, not a trend. If it was a trend, it would be going with a downward slope, obviously, if you can see the bars. Um, Wait, is, that, is that 2022 number, is that projected or already? That's already, Matthew. Wow. Already through August 15th. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why I'm saying this is the biggest killer. Now, I'll just say I believe this to be remdesivir. That's, yeah, that's going to 2600. That's where that's headed. If we project that out for the rest of the year, that's going, you know, and, and if 800 is baseline, that's 1800 extra deaths. Yeah. I, I, I believe that's from Desphere too. Um, renal failure is is a is a known side effect of remdesivir, and you know, the, some Romanian authors um, on a paper that studied um, comorbidities uh, for COVID um, sent me their paper a yearish ago, and it showed uh, renal failures being the number two comorbidity. And I thought about this, and I'm like, and I sent I I I, I emailed them back, and I said. I said, you know, my first thought is remdesivir. And they said, yeah, that's our thought too. You know, this isn't people who had renal failure and then COVID pushes them over the edge. This is people who have COVID and renal failure. And there's no, you know, when, when you do a comorbidity, you know, study like that, nobody is, is, is talking about cause and effect, right? Yeah. Um, but clearly this is not, this is not COVID. COVID didn't do this. No, this isn't COVID. <laughs> COVID went down. 21 to 22, excuse me, 2020 to 2021, COVID went well, down. Well, it, 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 I mean, it kind of, it kind of went sideways overall. No, no, COVID itself went from like in Massachusetts, this is all Massachusetts. So like uh, 10,000 to 5,500 year over year. Are oh, you talking about COVID deaths or COVID infections? COVID deaths. I don't talk infections. It's garbage. Okay. I don't do cases. From the very beginning, I didn't do cases. And anytime somebody talked about cases, I would roll my eyes. I hate it. 
Uh, it's all fake. It's right, all right. Fake. But I, I'm just I'm I'm trying to work all the the ideas into my head. To, yeah, to yeah, yeah. No, what is the best argument? I mean, you know, it, it, it's one thing to state state what we think is going on, and everybody's biases are confirmed or yeah. that we're crazy, one or the other. Um, but it's another thing to like think through the different data from different angles, and that's all I'm trying to do. Um, I don't have but, to say anything. Look at the slide. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do I have to say? It's crazy. I mean, I shouldn't be laughing. The, the, the number on the right, I just want to explain, the greater than 1,500 excess deaths, the date range here, be careful, it's January through the next year's August 15. So this is 17 and a half months of excess, whereas the graph on the left is only seven and a half months. The 1,500 excess deaths was computed from the entire year of 2021 plus 2022 up to August 15. And this is happening while the people dying are getting younger. Younger yes. people are not supposed to be dying in large numbers of acute renal failure. Oh, you know what? Let me let me just move on because I'll show you that. I'll show you the age groups. So um, this is another graph that I automatically generate. The black line is 2020. And now we're looking at 2020 numbers being, um, remember, this was uh, 1,100. So it's, it's pretty far above the norm. Call it normal. Now, you see what happened in the in the 10 weeks from March to June. You see this super high upswing. This is uh, what I'm doing is graphing total deaths. Now, the, the, the upswing stops and the slope is then the same as the red line below. Each one of these arrows is the same. Um, it's copy paste. None of the none of the length of the arrows were changed. It's the same slope. So there's no more deaths per day after June than normal. 2020 was normal after the COVID wave. So older people died with, with acute renal failure, maybe not from acute renal failure, um, in this 10-week period where the slope goes very high. After that, this slope is the same. Whereas if you look at blue, you see the widening gap here because it's a greater slope. Greater slope means more people per day are dying. There's an excess people per day dying in 2021. Now let's look way over here to the left. And you have 2022 just going nuts. Just crazy. Crazy high numbers. Super high slope. So, I mean, this is a health emergency by any other standard. If not for COVID, this would be a health emergency. 1,500 extra people dying in a year, in a year and a half? This is the... 1,500 extra people don't die in a year and a half from anything except for maybe a, a pandemic, like a, a real one. But no, some, I don't, they're killing people. I'll just say it, man. They're killing people with this stuff. It's not COVID. Now, here's the age groups. Um, they're, they're all higher, but let's take a look at the totals bottom right. Now, this is where 2022 is only seven and a half months, and the others are full year. So you, you see where the bottom right <clears throat> is going to end up pretty darn high. But in the top right, in ages 25 to 44, which are pretty darn young, you already have more in 2022 than 2021, and there are, seven, there are four and a half months left in the year. That's going to be 70 by the end of the year. And normal, don't forget, is around 22 down here. So you're going to kill about 50 extra people, probably with families, probably uh, daughters and sons. 
Um, they either are daughters and sons or they have daughters and sons. This is going to ruin a lot of families. I'm sorry, but a 92-year-old dying doesn't ruin a family. It's kind of expected, and it, it's sad that they may have gone, you know, a year or two earlier than normal. But but when you lose, you know, I know this from my family history. My father lost his mother um, when he was six months old. She died in the Spanish flu, 1918. He was 46 when I was born. He'd be 104 today if he was alive. But um, as far as ruining families, you know, my my grandfather married again the next year and she died because the Spanish flu lasted two years and then he married a third time. But uh, by then the family was all messed up. Um, it, it really, it, it, it devastates people. So, so uh, acute renal failure, when you look at it specifically away from chronic uh, kidney, chronic renal failure, you, you see how incredibly crazy this is and massachusetts should be looking at this more than covid more than trying to stick needles in arms more than anything all you got to do is look at the medical charts and correlate the medical charts and the doses of remdesivir figure out what the heck happened to these people but then gilead would make less money if i got the right manufacturer i think i did okay um then i i just i put the years all together and i put these red bands um on, on the peaks and valleys of 2014 through 19. And you see the age groups, they're all either at the, at the top or above the top, uh, especially this 55 to 59 down here, it's just going crazy. <clears throat> um, 60 to 64, 65 to 74, 75 to 79, all high. Uh, 80 to 84, way, way out of range. Um, 85 plus. So um, what is this from Desivere? And you, you see how I, I can break down a single code. And now I'll get into the death certificate database. I'm not sure of your crowd being math people, but um, this is all going to be just individualized data and records from my lawsuit. Uh, I mentioned Cassidy earlier. She was seven years old. I, I looked her up. I got the VAERS report. <clears throat> I was able to uh, compare it to a certificate of a girl named Cassidy that I saw in the news. They're both female, both seven years old. The VAERS report was dated January 15, 2022, and the uh, the death certificate January 18, three days later. Um, the death certificate says she died from COVID, like the news said. But the VAERS record says something completely different. Severe nausea and vomiting from five minutes post-vaccination and for eight to 10 hours. And that's the first injection. The second injection spiked to 103 fever, severe stomach ache, didn't have a bowel movement for three days. And then they say again, first vaccine caused severe nausea, vomiting for five minutes and for eight to 10 hours. That's how I knew it was the second vaccine. <clears throat> so, I mean, I, I believe this had something to do with clots and the portal vein and the veins that, that from the portal vein, it stretches out to the intestines and um, they basically shut down. You know, if you don't get a good blood supply, right, they'll just stop functioning. Um, and she died. And we don't know how because I don't have an autopsy, but it, if if this is the same girl, and I would like to know, and that's one of the things I'm asking for in my lawsuit. Yeah. One of the prayers for relief is give me access to the MIIS, the Massachusetts Inf Immunization Information System. Every state has one. 
people can opt out. Many people do, like in New Hampshire, Texas, conservative places, people opt out of being in a database. But uh, there are plenty of states, there's enough data in there. There's enough data in there where if they let me in, you know, in a week, I could find, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of vaccine deaths, because I will correlate the time of vaccination in the immunization information system. Uh, I will correlate that to the onset of symptoms and death certificate, and it'll it'll be a slam dunk. This, this vaccine needs to stop. So um, let me get on to some, this is a summary because I don't want the judge's head to spin on all these individual uh, individual deaths, which I have 123 pages of in the exhibit F. So this is a summary one. This person, 72 years old, one day to onset of symptoms, had a heart attack, died. Female, 60, one day, had a cardiac arrest, 67, two days, brain bleed, uh, same day, respiratory failure, one day, hemorrhage, three days, arrhythmia, same day, cardiopulmonary arrest, one day, five minutes, two days, hours, three weeks, one day, one day, just after booster in two weeks. And you got you know, clots and heart attacks and um, all, all circulatory system related. If you haven't figured that out, I'll just say it out loud. Heart attack, stroke, arrhythmia, bleeds, clots, and carditis are all blood transport system or circulatory system. And given the temporal proximity, as, as uh, smart people like to say, they'll say, hey, man, it was around the same time. Um, th this is a slam dunk. Got to shut the vaccine down. Uh, the, the case name is Bodwin v. Baker. I'm, I'm Bodwin. The uh, governor is Governor Charlie Baker. Charlie Baker. Uh, that's the docket number. It's in District of Mass. So let's go to something else I summarized from individualized records. And that is anytime they, they, I found the string V-A-C-C-I-N. For vaccination, vaccinated, vaccinate, vaccine, uh, anything with VACCIN. I found about 20, 20, 20 to 21 of them, and um, some of them were unvaccinated because it's going to find those two. So I threw those out, and what you see is the ones that said vaccination. Uh, acute bronchopneumonia and idiopathic thrombocytopenia, blood system, following COVID vaccination. That first one is the only time that Y590 and T881 are used. Y590 is called viral vaccines. That's the ICD-10 code for cause of death viral vaccine. T881 is, uh, I, I got to remember this. I can't remember. It's, it's got immunization in it. Uh, cause of death is immunization, complications, otherwise something. Um, but it's, you know, th this, this particular medical examiner on one record, used these codes and never did again. And no other medical examiner used them. And the only reason I know about them is because I found them. And um, <clears throat> so here we go. Vaccination given five days before death, she developed fever and mental status changes shortly after getting it. So she gets the vaccine, she gets fever and mental status changes, degrades over five days and dies. She's 84, has dementia, a urinary tract infection, and delirium. Nobody's going to say anything. Nobody's going to challenge this. Well, you know, she had dementia, and, you know, she died, so what? It's like, no, this is biologically, medically, there's a correlation, a, a, um, 
a causal attribution between the vaccine causing the symptoms that led to death within five days. End of story. I don't care about all the other stuff. Yeah, she was going to die anyway, but this is an indication. Um, received second COVID vaccine the prior week. Uh, another one is acute intracranial hemorrhage in the setting of thrombocytopenia in a person treating with, with treated with vaccination 11 days prior. Remember that one. That's a 62-year-old woman. I'll talk about her in a minute. That's a hemorrhagic stroke. Um, and then the others, you know, uh, COVID vaccination, vaccination two days earlier, cardiac arrhythmia, congestive heart failure, cardiac arrhythmia again. Um, cardiac arrhythmia is a big one. I, have, I, I do the codes for these. So as I find these, I'm like, okay, I got some good codes to look up and I'll, I'll make some slides for them. Yeah, this is, uh, this is so infuriating. When you think back to, you know, a lot of us who thought there was something wrong said, um, why aren't we performing autopsies? Right. Why aren't we why don't we have some sort of a, a push, you know, <clears throat> sample, take take, you know, a, a lottery of 40 random counties around the country at least. Right. I mean, that's like that's like a half a state, essentially. You know, um, why not do something? These are all the things that that couldn't be hidden. Yeah, I, I was just did, did you say that that vaccine without an E was on a lot of these records? Well, no, my string search was V-A-C-C-I-N. I did so that just to make sure that you caught. Yeah, uh, I, I, that, that was a bigger net for me to catch vaccine, vaccination, vaccinated, and so forth. Okay, got it, got it, understood. But uh, yeah, I still, you know, uh, the the lack of autopsies just seems so deliberate. It's it's all of this, and yeah. and you know, when you have cases like this seven year old girl, I, I assume that you're right that that these records match up. You know, why why would you give her a second injection? Um, uh, it, it gets worse, Matthew. It gets worse. I'm just, I'm just getting rolling. This, man. this is hard to do without stopping and venting a little bit. <laughs> no, I know. I, I mean, I've cried in front of my computer a number of times because uh, I, I look up obituaries too um, to, to correlate. So, um, what was I going? You, you made a good point. I wanted to expand it. Oh, it, it's even worse than you think with regard to the autopsy. So. I, I talked to a medical examiner for three and a half hours over uh, Saturday and Sunday, not this past one, but months ago. And I reviewed hundreds of these death certificates with that medical examiner. Um, I don't want to give away the gender or the name or anything. So I, I did a, you know, my, my lawsuit was reviewed by a retired judge, two attorneys, two physicians, um, two medical examiners, and a professional witness in tort cases who has an MD. It's not just some pro se guy who thinks he knows the law and took a year of law school. <laughs> I had it reviewed by a lot of people. And the only reason I don't have representation is because a big law firm won't take it and I won't take a small law firm. The reason I won't take a small law firm is because I, I know what happened to a guy um, who took a case, a mask case against the governor in, in a state just north of me, uh, they, took, they, they, they went into his past, found something that was BS, where somebody else would get a slap on the wrist. They took his license to practice law for two years and walking out of the meeting said, yeah, so how's that mask case going? They sent him a message. So the offer I had for this case pro bono, I said, no, you know, you need, you need to take care of your family. They're going to come after you if you take this case. I'll take it pro se. 
So that's, it, it's not my ego. <laughs> it's, uh, I, I don't want to destroy somebody's life and career and family. Um, so remember I said the other one, the 62-year-old, remember that? And acute intracranial hemorrhage in the setting of thrombocytopenia. <clears throat> this is Diane. And this was March of 2021. Although if you read my my lawsuit, I made a mistake and said she was January. So there's one mistake in my lawsuit I found. Um, I don't know why. I, I had a 60-year-old in January, and when I swapped them out, I forgot to change it. So anyway, March, March 2021. Now, if they had just looked into her death and maybe halted it, uh, Brianna, 30 years old in April, maybe she wouldn't have gotten the vaccine and died. She had a stroke. I'll give you the details later. And if they had investigated Brianna and Diane, Eden, 17-year-old, maybe she wouldn't have died of a stroke too. There's three strokes in a row, three months in a row. Excuse me, three out of four months. There's six, uh, five to six weeks between Brianna and Eden. And if they investigated any of those, uh, Holly, um, wife and mother of two little kids, 42 years old, uh, she died. Her brother posted about her internal bleeding on Facebook in June. And uh, in reading Holly's obituary, I found that um, her brother had died. And I thought, well, that, how, how is that? He just posted about her. He, he died two weeks after he posted about her. He died in his sleep, unknown reasons. So the parents lost their daughter, 42, and son at 37 in three months. They have no kids anymore. Um, I think they're around 70. It's pretty sad. Um, so if they checked out any of those, you know, when, when Charles was told by Bose Corporation, the speaker company, that he had to get the vaccine, otherwise he'd be fired, he was going to quit. He was going to quit. He was going to quit. And when the day came, he relented. I need the job. The day before he was going to be fired, he got the injection. They found him in bed the next morning, dead. They labeled his death COVID, as they did with, um, with other people. So uh, Abigail was a civil engineering student, 20 years old, myocarditis, died in December. Cassidy, I told you about. Preston was a uh, basketball player. Uh, he dropped on the court. You know, I... It's hard to say these names and think that the, the families might be watching this. Um, I, I, you know, having lost my son, I just feel terrible even using their names. Um, but the public needs to know, and it's more important that other people don't lose their kids. And we need to stop these vaccines. So, so I use the names. Um, now he did have cardiomyopathy uh, as a prior condition, um, which maybe wasn't known. But had he not gotten the vaccine, and I don't know if he did, but I'm assuming he did because they said all the kids who were playing sports had to. So I assume he did. Um, if he hadn't gotten the vaccine, would he have lived another five years, 10 years? Would, it, would they have found it in a routine checkup, listening to his heart when he turned 18 or 17 uh, at his physical? Maybe they would have found it. Maybe they would have put a, uh, a defibrillator or whatever on him. Um, what do you call those things? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, pacemaker. Whatever they're using these days, this kid could have lived to, to his 50s or, or later, but he died at 15 on a basketball court. So Brianna um, recovered easily from COVID in November, which was six months earlier, along with her friends and family, and had no lingering effects. On March 30th, she was given a single dose of Moderna, Initially complained mild nausea and vomiting, but quickly developed a severe headache. 
Uh, she went to the ER. The headache was so bad. Uh, they treated her for a migraine. She went back to the ER one more time and came home, didn't recognize her sister, didn't know what a mask was for. They brought her in for a, um, they brought her into the ER and she had massive uh, pressure in her brain. They cut a hole in her, in her skull to relieve the pressure. It didn't work. Um, she was brain dead. She, she went through paralysis. She went through slow degradation, but then she was brain dead. They pulled the plug a couple of weeks later. So this family lost their, uh, their daughter and sister and um, non-traumatic cerebral herniation, ischemic stroke. And you know what else they wrote on the death certificate? COVID. They said she died of COVID. So the dad's trying to get that changed, I believe. Um, Eden was 17, uh, cerebral venous sinus thrombosis. Uh, yeah, that's what the death certificate says. Again, I correlated the, <clears throat> um, the age, the gender, the the um, uh, the symptoms in in the in the VARES record match the cause of death in the death certificate. They didn't write COVID, but nonetheless, this sure looks like a vaccine death. Short period of time. Uh, so the doctors knew, the the medical examiners knew, and no no mention of the vaccine goes on the death certificate for any of these. They 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 go out of their way to make sure they don't mention the vaccine. And in some cases, they write COVID. Now, writing COVID on a death certificate causes people to believe that young people are dying from COVID. They're not. They're lying. They're lying. Young people are not dying from COVID, but when parents see that young people are dying from COVID, but they really aren't, they run out and they get their kids vaccinated. So this is all fraud, and uh, it's coerced by the American Board of Internal Medicine, Family Medicine, Pediatrics, and the Federation of State Medical Boards, these are RICO organizations. I, I, I won't draw out all the elements of RICO right now, but these are absolutely RICO organizations that if we had a justice department, would all these people would be in jail for federal felonies. All right. What other kinds of fraud are they doing? I looked at X42, which is actually... I, I, I want to go back for a second. Uh, this just occurred to me. I talked to a former DOJ lawyer uh, a couple of years ago who was pushed out during the Obama administration. And he said that everybody who worked on um, uh, essentially RICO, RICO types of organization, everyone who worked on this area of like, you know, or organized, I don't know, monopoly law, that, that sort of thing was pushed out of the DOJ about 10 years ago. Makes sense. Makes sense. They certainly don't have competency in it, but I don't think they plan on um, going after any of them because they're, they're the ones that are, that are making campaign contributions. Pharma is a RICO organization. <laughs> Most of what they do is illegal. You know, the, the, the politicians are all bought off. So it's, um, Taking, RICO is taking control of an enterprise. Uh, you have racketeering, so you have some underlying illegal activity, bringing harm to people across state lines. And what am I missing here? Um, I'm missing an element, but uh, that's pretty much it. It's basically taking control of an enterprise and then having illegal activity. Okay. Um, um, you have you have some graphs and some data. Yeah. That that. Uh, look to be 
um, where where the data in aggregate of all the different age groups um, showed no just, signal. But yeah, when you to find it to, yeah, can can you show yeah, us yeah. those? Sure, sure. These are just uh, summary slides of a bunch of fraud by individual medical examiners. Um, blunt force trauma to the torso, you know, called it a COVID death. Acute fentanyl intoxication, called it a COVID death. Yeah, there's uh, clearly shenanigans in the death certificates. And and if you had to guess, you know, you, what did you say? Like there were originally 20,000 COVID deaths in Massachusetts and then, and then um, th but there were only 16,000 death certificates and half of them appear not to be COVID related in any, in any way? Uh, not those numbers. <laughs> there were 10,000 uh, COVID death. Well, it's right here. It's on the slide. <laughs> it just happened to be on this slide. So 2020, 10,211 deaths were labeled COVID in Massachusetts. 2021 was 5,575. 2022 already was 3,259. Gonna... At the end of 2021, or sometime in 2021, like the CDC actually downgraded the estimate for Massachusetts by 4,000 deaths because the CDC had more COVID deaths listed for Massachusetts than Massachusetts had death certificates that said COVID on them. There, there, you're, you're absolutely right. <clears throat> there was that, but it, you want to know the timing of this? I got all the death certificates. Joel Smalley put out the article and two weeks later, Massachusetts ramped down their total COVID deaths by 4,000. Ah, wow. It was wow. Two, two weeks after Joel wrote his article and they all knew that I had all the data. Um, it was, it was went down by 4,081. I believe the number was. Now, I mean, I don't know, but it seems to me coincident in time. But uh, yeah, so here you got 10,000 down to 5,500. So you, you see this top left graph. Now, again, these blue graphs, don't forget, are only through August 15 of each year. But you see COVID was big in 2020, and it was cut in half in 2021. And then um, all-cause deaths, you, you see... All cause, yes, there were more deaths in 2021 and 2022. You can actually make an argument this this flat line here across, which is a mean, really is a trend. And as a trend, it would actually come close, kind of close to 2021 and 2022. And the only year that's, that's, that's really tons of excess is 2020. You know, it's a little bit of excess, maybe 1,000, 2,000 in um, 2021 and 2022. But again, this, this doesn't have mean reversion. Yeah, th this is not the end of the year. Don't forget, this is yeah. <laughs> um, so, but in these in these red rectangles with, with the curved corners, notice the age in in uh, of the COVID deaths on the left, eighty one point three. The average age of COVID death dropped six years. Now it's like, well, of course it did. All the dry tinder were taken out. Yeah, but all the younger people were exposed to COVID too. Also, yeah, and 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 by the way, from um, we should not see that like, it, 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 like the, that, the dry tinder thing that, that would argument that would affect all cause mortality. But when you were talking about a specific viral illness, it is not historically true that the demographics change throughout a pandemic, right? Yeah. If, if there, if there is something that is spreading around a population, killing people, the proportion of each demographic that it kills exactly. should remain relatively constant throughout. So this is so when you see this shift, 
this says these are not the same thing. Absolutely, Matthew. Um, now, for for the end, where we go over the the, the, the new calculation that I have, bear, keep in mind this 75.0 here on the all cause. If you see the average ages of 2015 through 19, 75.7, 75.3, and so forth, that's the range of 75.3 to 75.8. And all of a sudden you drop down below the range, like, you know, a standard deviation or two, uh, probably two standard deviations lower. That After having been a couple standard deviations higher, maybe three standard deviations higher, that, that's this is, these are crazy numbers because we're talking about 64,000 people. So when you have a shift that much, that's a big number. Now, you wanted to get to other stuff, though. So, uh, again, this is COVID. Actually, um, go back to that for a second because that is I think that's – this is – this slide right here, this is one of the most important um, in the entire presentation right here. You cannot look at these numbers and say that this was one continuous pandemic of the same thing. Uh, you know, going back to the 2020 number for a moment, um, I, I still believe uh, and, and now there's a slide. Um, there's a slide that I stole from Pierre Corey. And I, I, I want to show this for just a second because I think this is um, this turns out to be really important. Right. And, and you know, Pierre Corey, like, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad that Pierre Corey pushed ivermectin. You know, he, he created this slide suggesting, um, I, I think, incorrectly. Uh, and, and, I, and I think, you know, he, he understands that now, but uh, he he showed where he gave Senate testimony about ivermectin and then suddenly the proportion of COVID deaths in nursing homes crashed. Right. And, and I, I think that he, I, I think that he helped a lot of people find out about ivermectin, but I don't, you know, I, I call, I talked to several doctors. Um, I talked to two doctors, you know, one of them uh, was, is George uh, Fareed. And I said, you know, what, what do you think, the proportion is of people who used ivermectin in nursing homes. And he said, Oh, no more than 2%. The other doctor I talked to said, you know, less than 1%. I guarantee you that none of the big behemoth, you know, nursing home, um, nursing homes allowed that, you know, corporate said, no, uh, I I'm certain of it. So, you know, um, what, you know, my, my personal best guess <clears throat> is that, um, early on, there was there was an orchestrated process of pushing people in nursing homes off the cliffs, and we know that there you know there's some stories like Holyoke um, where the nursing homes where the people were just so uncared for that they were just you know wallowing on the floor in puddles of their filth, right? I mean yeah, um, yeah this happened in 2020. It stopped happening in 2021. This this alone is part of a demographic shift, but this is uh, this is orchestrated neglect. This is pushing people off cliffs. I, I agree with you completely, um, although we may differ on intent. And, and the reason I say that is having having talked to that medical examiner um, and, and understanding. So if you're really old. This is the same example I use for everybody. So anybody can copy this if they want to use it. <laughs> you got somebody 92 years old. They're taken out of bed twice a day and walk down the hallway 50 feet. If they don't do that and they don't bear weight on their legs, 
they will get DVTs, deep vein thrombosis, which will throw to a, a pulmonary embolism and they will die. Right. They need ordinary exercise to stay alive at some point. That's it. Or, or very, very common also is their lungs will fill up with fluid, whether they have COVID or not, just laying in a bed at 92 years old. And so what happened was um, I never finished what I was going to say about that medical examiner before. R real quickly, she said that the medical examiners weren't showing up to work because they didn't want to get COVID. They didn't want to be around a COVID body. Now, they're medical examiners, <laughs> but they didn't want to do it. So what they did was they made phone calls to the old folks homes and said, what happened? They said, well, you know, he was coughing and then he died. He was 98. And they said, okay, COVID. And they just, COVID, COVID, COVID. Um, they did not do tissue samples. They did not take blood, blood labs. They, they did not do uh, imaging. Okay, so this, this glut and huge amount of people who died and were labeled with COVID during that time, half of them didn't have COVID at all. Now, in terms of the older people, uh, there was such a huge number of 85 plus, and I'll show you that, such a huge number of 85 plus who died that that, that dry tinder masked and obfuscated every other signal for more than a year. Um, it, it's, it, they, they killed so many people, Matthew, like you said, for not taking care of them. It was all neglect. And I, I go so far as to say 80 to 90% of the COVID deaths were not COVID deaths. They were neglect. And they were well, only half of them were pneumonia. Half yeah. of COVID deaths uh, in the U.S., uh, those people had pneumonia when they died. Agreed. I mean, I'm talking Massachusetts. That's all I can really talk about. But if I looked at another state, I would go in and find the signals in their state because the timing is different. Um, New England and New York uh, were, were different timings. Um, we were earlier. And, and the Moderna's here. I drive by it on my way to Costco. The headquarters is here. There, I think there are 10, there was either nine or $10 billion pharma companies in Massachusetts. Our economy is pharma and, and medical instrumentation. So let me, um, can I go to the next one now? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> All right. Um, this is the, the prior graph I just showed you. Um, on the bottom left, you see this big black line? It swings way up in the bottom left. And there's that 10-week time, and then it flattens out. Remember I said there's nothing after that time? Uh, it was the same as it, but I was showing you N179. But, but even just COVID, there's nothing all summer, and then it goes up a little. So, But the important thing to note is year over year, from 2020 to 2021, you have the younger people having more deaths in 2021 than 2020. What kind of what kind of disease is this? It, it, it completely changed from year to year, whereas the older ones are blue. They went down significantly, especially the 85 plus. Went from 4827 to 1762. Um, but but you have a pattern, and, and I wanted to show you the pattern because remember I established that um, prostate and testicular pattern. This is kind of showing a, a profile of, of the COVID deaths, which is the same as the all-cause deaths. You have younger going up, older going down, um, <clears throat> and you can't really see any signals uh, on, the, on the line graphs. Right. J code yeah, rest. We're, we're, we're getting this is this is a Simpsons paradox where you have different demographics yes. that are that are experiencing uh, different trends can hide an overall signal 
an overall trend. Yep. Yep. See, see the, uh, I'll read the numbers to you. 85 plus from 2020 to 2021, the difference was 2100. Now that 2100 could take care of all the reds. It blows away all the reds. So even though the reds are all up, you'll never see it. You'll, ne you'll never see it unless you break out the age groups like I did. It's gone. now. And I didn't even talk about the 75 to 75. And, and even with, with the 80 and older crowd, um, yep. a lot of the dry tinder is gone. So if these are like proportions of the living, these may actually be going up. That's right. That's right. So when you break out the age groups, but but again, you see younger and older, you see the same profile. Oh, I'm sorry. These are these are J codes, respiratory, which is the same as all cause, which is the same as COVID. Remember at the very beginning, I showed you what's going up and down <coughs> year over year. Now, here's the I codes. If if you saw the all cause go down and the COVID go down, why are the I codes going up year over year? Not just the young, all the way up to 84, all the way up to 84. And in fact, I and again, I'll argue it's probably going up in 85 as a proportion. You just don't have as many people alive. And, and yet you have this downward trend for the total. That's because the 85s dominate. 85 dominates so much it blows away every other age category. Every single other age category summed does not equal the 85 plus going down. So it's all hidden. And I love your proportion thing. I, you know, it, I, I can't get year to year uh, population to that granularity. But if I did, I bet you'd be right. I bet you'd be right about I that. So. I don't think there's any way we can do that, though. No, I, I bet we can. Uh, you know, if nothing else, we could do something like get an actuarial table and find out like proportion of people who die each year, and then um, and then back it out. Well, if you backed it out, you'd have to know how many were here in that age group. So you're, no, you're no, no, no. like if you have a proportion, like like uh, what is um you know uh, actuarial tables have like you know what is the the probability of this person dying this year. Right. Oh, and so, okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. I got it. And so, if you if you have these numbers for yeah, 2019, 2018, 27, we we can get a pre-pandemic estimate of the population bands. Yeah, I don't know where to get that. I I mean, my my uh, investigative ability is, you know, I look on the. Uh, I, I bet I can find that. I bet I can send it to you, or yeah, maybe I'll I'll just do that myself. Yeah, that's really interesting. That's a really big one, Matthew. If you can show that, that would be huge. Um. So. No, uh, specifically pneumonia. Uh, again, I showed you this before, but the, the pattern is is the young younger up, older down. Um, I codes. I showed you the I codes just a minute ago. If you look on the left, um, you'll see there's, there's not really a lot to see here. You know, they're, they're all going up, and it's it's hidden by the 85. We established that, but if you look at all cause on the not all cause, sorry. Um, all ages. If you look at all ages on the left two graphs, you kind of don't see anything. You, you see the 2020 was higher and then it was cut in half. The difference to, between mean and 2020 was cut in half in 2021. So you're really not seeing anything different. Uh, but if you go to I-269 pulmonary embolism specifically, you see that pulmonary embolism is way high. We looked at that before. And you know, again, I'm going to jump ahead. I know that the that the COVID crowd 
is going to say, well, you know, COVID killed these people over time, right? That a lot of these deaths, that these increases, they were already going up in 2020, which to them is proof that it was COVID caused, right? Um, though I, I think that there are a lot of variables in the way hospital procedures change that I think they should pay attention to. Um, but I, I want to point this out for the people who who want to try to make that argument. Um, this is from the Defense Medical Epidemiological Database. I took two queries. I took um, the hospitalizations for COVID and uh, divided them by the COVID cases per month in data that was coming in in 2021. And what I found was that the hospitalizations per case were quadrupling leading up to the August mandates for the vaccines, right? And it's, you know, the, I, here it is, it's, it, it's every age band, right? There's not as much of a risk of a Simpsons paradox, you know, with, with young people, you know, there's not a lot of people over 40 in the military, but one way or another, you know, here it is laid out in wristbands and you can see for every single age band, <clears throat> have a quadruple quadrupling of the severity per COVID case and the COVID cases increase. So they had like seven times as many hospitalizations by the VAX mandate when people who didn't want to be taking the vaccine were taking it. I'll, I'll defend my slide now. <laughs> no, I, 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 I think that, that no, it, no, it fits I, perfectly with your, with, yes, with the data that you're presenting here. Yes, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if that, uh, for. No, 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 don't, please don't apologize. I'll take, I'll take any challenges. Um, because if, if you want to theorize, I mean, I can go back and forth with anybody. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, this isn't a challenge. Like this, this I'm, I'm showing that, um, you know, what's yeah. happening to younger people. Yeah, is yeah. different in 2021 than in 2020. Yes. And we can see that in the DMED data also. There, so, there's not a single one that's blue this here. Is not one continuous pandemic. This is something different. No, something completely different happened in 2021 on the year boundary. I already showed that in all cause. I showed you where the hidden signal was. And then I showed you uh, where that where um, in the in the even in the I codes, even in the I codes, if you look at I altogether, you won't find it because 85 deficit blows away all the other age groups. But then if you look at this I-269 specifically, every single age group is up. Every age group is up. Whereas COVID got cut in half. If COVID got cut in half, how come pulmonary emboli went up? It's like, oh, wait a minute. No, we're not dying of pneumonia this year. The year changed. So now we're going to die of, of pulmonary embolism. <laughs> what are you talking about? Diseases. Oh no. Well, the spike changed so much that the spike doesn't go after the lungs. Now it goes after, well, the lungs, but on the blood side, not the lung side. Yeah, that's just nuts. If somebody tries to argue, and I, I think this is the reason why long COVID is this absurd conversation no, that it is. Yeah, yeah. you know, a, a lot of people don't know this, but viral illnesses always have a, a proportion of people who have long sequelae. <clears throat> Absolutely, I got it right uh, now. I'm clearing my throat all night. Yeah, and and, and you know, it, it happens. And and the the less healthy we get, the older we get, the more it happens. The less healthy we are, the more it happens. Um, the, you know, the, this idea that long COVID is this new thing, this new feature of COVID, yeah. um, and, and there, you know, uh, there may be some slight differences, but overall, um, it appears just like long sequelae for other viral infections. In fact, there's no evidence really that you even need COVID to exist to have the long sequelae that we're seeing. Yeah, I mean, I agree with everything you say. I, I, I can add to it and say, <clears throat> excuse me, that, um, there is something different and something specific about this disease. 
Um, it's, it's the blood thing. And the fact that everything we're looking at in the circulatory system, the same thing happened in COVID to two orders of magnitude lower. The signal is so small, we don't talk about it, but people did get brain clots. They did get um, heart attacks. They did, they did have something attack their circulatory system if it got past the mucosal defenses in the lungs, which was, even if it did, it was rare that it wouldn't be cleaned up by the body. For those who were immunocompromised already, um, they succumbed to certain clotting without having been vaccinated from COVID and not from it just happening like background. Um, but when they inject it in the arm past the lungs, specialized mucosal defenses, then it's, it's, I believe it's two orders of magnitude greater probability that the circulatory system gets affected. And therefore, um, yeah, this, this, it's, it's just another coronavirus, but it's got this little thing added to it. And, um, you know, you had a discussion with Mark <laughs> and uh, we could talk about that too. But, um, you know, it's, it's, I, I believe Mark is right for all the immediate effects, but the, some of the longer term effects, you know, we, we can talk about. But what, what he can't explain is there are clotting things going on before the injections ever happened. And it happened from COVID. And uh, they're so small that, I mean, yes, we could argue about background and how small the signal is, but I believe what the anecdotal uh, references were from doctors who said, it goes back to this one doctor who said, I've been operating for 30 years as a brain surgeon. And while I was removing a clot, I watched two clots forming. And I had never seen that in my entire career. It was the weirdest thing. I'm watching clots form while I'm removing one. And he said, there's something really weird about the blood. And that was before the injection. So. I'll, I'll move on now because probably boring people. <clears throat> um, cardiac well, these are the people who want to look through the data and they can always, uh, you know, um, they, there's going to be a lot of presentations to watch, but uh, I, I suspect a lot of the people watching are the people who want to understand this. So, yeah. you know, don't apologize for, for us going through the nitty gritty here. Okay. Um, if you look in the top left, you, you see that uh, apples to apples comparison through August 15th. Um, and you see where, again, I'm going to keep saying it, 2021 should be half the difference to mean, but it's not. It, it's up there pretty good. And then 2022 is even more. Why are more, more, more people dying of cardiac arrest when the dry tender has gone? It should be less. Right. Um, so, again, you've got lots of red, and the only down you have is 85, and it's only down by 63 people. So it is down very little, but the rest are up like crazy. Um, cardiac arrhythmia. Th this this one is kind of sad because. It, do, you, do you want me to throw my theory out there as an electrical engineer? Go ahead. <laughs> so you, you know how the uh, <clears throat> endothelial cells are are being attacked, right? And when uh, when they go through apoptosis, it leaves behind calcium, and if that's happening in the heart, um, if if you leave calcium behind and you and you kill some cells in certain areas you're going to change the overall impedance structure of the heart the impedance being you know capacitance resistance and if you if you change the impedance in a circuit you you change you can change the delay between cycles 
you know, you can change the frequency. So, you yeah, know, right? people aren't used to thinking of the heart as like an electrical system. Oh, it's absolutely but, electrical. But yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. What what happens when uh when when you know there is there is a, a charge happening when when blood goes through. Um, let me explain. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Explain. So the if you look at an ECG, it's not but ump but ump. No, it's it goes up down up down it. And those peaks are called PQRST, okay? And there's a syndrome called long QT syndrome. I worked with somebody who had it, and um, her sister died uh, because they didn't know. But then the family knew. They all got tested, and they all had it. And so she she would have a, uh, a pacemaker or something like that. What happens is long QT is there's a delay such that Q and T, like the, the, the heart thinks it's going into the next cycle, but it's so long. Of, of a delay between Q and T that it steps on the next cycle, the heart gets confused and it fibrillates, right? It's like, right. it doesn't do another heartbeat because it thought it was supposed to contract when it was really supposed to expand and, and the heart and, just kind of stops, it gets confused. And this was part of the scare campaign with hydroxychloroquine. If you take like four times as much hydroxychloroquine as you're, as you're supposed to, or chloroquine or, you know, one of those types of drugs, um, you, you can wind up with uh, prolongated QT. And people were like, oh, oh, it causes heart problems. But, yeah, you know, the thing is doctors know this and they watch the patients yeah. you know, and patients who have stressed out hearts. They may just they may not put them on it to begin with or they may put them on a low dose and see you know, what happens to the to the QT pattern. But sorry, go ahead. It was it was McKernan who uh, Kevin McKernan who who came up with the, you know, calcium. And then um, I forget. I don't know if he used impedance, but then I thought this guy's right. You know, and then I started thinking about the long QT and the cycles. I'm like, I think I think that's why arrhythmia is happening. These people had no diagnosis of, you know, and, and another, another doctor told me AFib has nothing to do with it. It's a different part of the heart. But um, these people had no diagnosis and they just, arrhythmia is all over the place. So anyway, let's get back to the graph here. You see how far, how much arrhythmia is up. It's up. I mean, it's just up. It's up really high. So, um it's a problem. I, I'm still trying to figure this out myself. Middle of last year, I had tachycardia. Like nothing else I've ever had. My heart, my heart rate was up 35 beats per minute. Um, I had not had COVID. I had not been vaccinated. I'm still trying to figure that out. Uh, Anyhow, uh, <clears throat> go on. Somebody slipped a bunch of uh, what, do, what do you call those drinks that they drink in Italy? They're dark brown and um cappuccino you had too many cappuccinos oh oh that's possible but uh, yeah I, I don't know i'm just kidding all right so uh i i ate codes so this is veins lymphatic vessels and so forth um this gets a little confusing if, if you look on the right you see some blue a uh, couple of blues there not just 85 plus but 80 80 plus um the youngers are still all up and you, and you see, it, what I'm saying is it's more clear in the all-age graphs on the left. So if you look at the all-age graphs on the left, you see that, wow, 2021 is like really high, and 2022 is even higher. There's an issue here. And um, again, I told you before, I can do I802, I819. Uh, I chose I8 because, yeah, it's a good enough sig signal. If you can go higher up in the codes and still have a good signal, that there's not I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You don't have to go looking for specific ones. 
I-82, which is a subset of I-8, okay, I-82, other venous embolism and thrombosis. I believe this is DVTs and, and a few others. <clears throat> but what you got is you got a friggin' mess on the right. <laughs> you can't you get up and down and blue and red. And it's like, okay, I'm not seeing any kind of signal here. But then if you look at the left, it's like, wow, wow. Look at 2022. It, Again, this is to show that it's very difficult to find signals. You can't find them with any one graph. You can't find them by, sometimes you can't find them by separating age groups, but you can find them by putting them back together again. And if you look in the bottom left graph, the 2022 you see is just outrageous. All right, decodes, which are about blood. Um, I'm going to try to go faster, Matthew. Everybody's probably getting tired. We've been on for quite a while. Yeah, I'll well, do what you need to do. Uh, you know, um, no, I'm, I'm going to move. We're, we're seeing this at this point. We're seeing this that there are some of these problems you're going to see regardless of whether or not you have demographic breakdowns. Some yeah. of them you're only going to see with the demographic breakdowns <clears throat> showing that the pandemic changed from before and after the shots started going out. Yeah. So, so decodes is basically all the blood stuff and blood forming and, and immune immune mechanism. They call. I mean, so lymph node, I believe. Uh, Do you uh, have one for hematologic codes overall? Uh, that would be decodes, wouldn't it? Okay. Um, well, uh, and, and maybe this is the difference between um, between death stuff and non-death stuff, but um, hematologic, oh, you're right. Yeah, D50 through D89. Excuse me. Excuse me. Yeah. yeah okay. Okay. Um, then, uh, can we talk about the R codes? Because that's one that you and I talked about a bit. This may take a little time for audience to understand if they're not familiar with the ICD-10 codes. Yep. Let me uh, plow through then. So D8 is just immune mechanism. It's a confused on the right, but it's a clear on the left graphs. Um, clearly, there's a signal. Uh, D62, acute post-hemorrhagic anemia. They're all up everywhere. Um, the numbers aren't huge, but they're huger. You know, this is like double. Um, disseminated intravascular coagulation, really difficult to, to see anything except in the top left graph. Uh, cardiac arrhythmia. Wait a minute, this is wrong. I didn't change this slide before I sent it to you. So all the others, the, the, the graphs actually say the right thing. It's called other coagulation defects. And it says that on every graph. And I just need to change the title. I'm sorry about that. Um, but again, you have confusion in the age groups, but you have no confusion and a clear signal in the aggregate on the left, uh, aggregated age groups. 2021, blowing away the rest, rest 2022, even higher. <clears throat> um, secondary thrombocytopenia, not much in the individual age groups, but if you look in the left, you see that 2022 is something really wrong really wrong with 2022. Um, C codes are cancers. Now, see the bottom left? It's just a straight line. Those are all the years just stepping right on top of each other. Can't see a damn thing. Excuse my language. Um, but then if you look at C779, lymph node, top left, that's pretty bad. We know that people are getting sore lymph nodes for a while after they get the shot. There's a few people that say, oh, man, you know, under my arm, it's been killing me. And the cancers come. And they come 
you know, five months, six months later. These are big numbers. And then you look at um, peritoneum, retroperitoneum. Those are up. And uh, bone marrow. Now, bone marrow is interesting because they're all up in every age group. But if you look at the bottom left graph, you see that 2020 is among the normal. It's among the 2015 through 2019 years. And you see 2022 and 2021 just blowing them away. It takes time for cancers, but um, these are the cancers associated with uh, blood forming, right? Bone marrow. Those are big numbers. Um, uh, leukemia B cell type. Again, we're talking blood, right? Um, 2022 is, is out of control here on the bottom left graph and the top left graph. Um, should I, should I show that picture, Matthew? Uh, that's up to you. I don't know about your audience. Are they grossed out by stuff? Um, well, you know, it, it's one example. Let's go ahead and talk about the R codes and then we'll move toward, you know, we've been going for nearly two hours and I appreciate your, your time, uh, how much you, you're giving to us. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, 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 talk I, don't to want, I don't want to exhaust you. I mean, you're no. the person, you're the person, uh, you know, putting all this together. Um, but there are, you know, there are some, uh, a couple of things here. Now I'm going to mention this when John and I were in a meeting, this is going all the way back to like March or April. Um, yeah, you know, sure. I was working on the DMED stuff and John is like, you know, talking about what he's finding in the Massachusetts data. And I jumped up from my seat. I think I practically scared everyone uh, in the meeting half to death. I was like, it's the R codes. Yes, it's the R codes. And then so, you know, I, I want to explain, you know, <laughs> it, it was probably like the most manic moment that I've had in the last like three years. But um, the R codes are illnesses uh, in illnesses, injuries, medical conditions that the doctor is not yet uh, has not yet put a label on. Like, I don't know what this is yet. I don't know what causes this. We hold don't have on. Hold on. Time. results. Sorry, go ahead. Time out. Time. I just want to before you you continue. The. It's the R9s, don't forget, that are inconclusive findings. It's the holding place. I put R000 up here for a specific reason so you'd see it. <laughs> and it's the only R code I did. Uh, I didn't do the others. Um, the, the, the lower range R codes are very valuable. <clears throat> there's, uh, you know, a, there's a lung, you got a lung problem. And they find it's, there's an R code for the lungs. Um, the R codes that you're talking about, the R9s, those are the ones where, that are holding bins where they throw a bunch of stuff and it takes six months to resolve. No, 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 no. Um, I'm not talking about like R99s or anything. I'm not. Um, R codes in general are uh, the doctor has not determined an etiology. And oh, okay. R codes can always be reassigned okay. to other medical billing codes later. Got it. That's for all the arc. So this tachycardia that you're showing right here, this unspecified, that means uh, an unknown etiology. Um, these can be later put into other bins, but they are R codes because etiology currently unknown. Got it. Got it. They don't know why it's a fast heartbeat, but it's a fast heartbeat. So the fast heartbeat, I don't think ever gets reassigned. Uh, they just leave them, I think. Because if somebody dies with a fast heartbeat, they're, they're obviously going to put it's going to be something else to do with a the heart. They probably died, like hypertension. Um, could be an arrhythmia. could be hypertension. They're going to have other stuff. Cardiac arrest is big, 469. But now I see what you're saying. Yeah, there's, there's no cause for it. But 
the only reason I put this here is, I mean, it's way up in 2021. Not, you know, it was up in 2020, but it's up even more in 2021. I mean, people just don't start getting fast heartbeats. My friend is 68, um, normally around 115 to 120, year after year after year after year. He gets the shot, 160. 160. Resting heartbeat of 160 for five months. How many years of his life did he just take off? He's yeah, got- I can't imagine. Like, you know, when I had a, a resting heartbeat, you know, of like 115, I just wanted to like hang out on the couch. You know, I, I didn't, I, you know, you, you stop wanting to do uh, some of your daily chores, you know, some of your work. When you get, you know, over 100, you know, you, you stop wanting to do as much in your daily life. So yeah. 160. I mean, that's, I would think if you have 160, like getting up and walking to the fridge is a life risking event. Yep. He, he, and he, and he kayaks and uh, canoes and and he's always taking stuff off his car. Um, He does, he does drive a lot for his job. So he's always sitting in a car, but he's a very active guy. I, I believe that actually takes years off your life. Sure. So um, back to the R codes though, because you wanted to talk about them. Um, so do you, do you still think that they're doing this on purpose? Because I kind of think it's just a matter of course that this happens every year. And um, they pile up, and then six months later they resolve them. Because in July, when I got the updated uh, Massachusetts death certificate database in July, the 1,400 went down to 400, and every year is 400. Right. Yeah, I, and I, I, don't, I don't know what you mean by on purpose. I mean, you know, there's a lot of things that I that, you know, can be on purpose or not on purpose. But you know, um, I'll, I'll show this. This is one of my slides where uh, I took, you know, the the data that had been published in medical surveillance monthly reports. These were snapshots of the Defense Medical Epidemiological Database. <clears throat> and, you know, you would have like a, a thousand of these reports a year. I'm sorry, a million of these reports a year, give or take, give or take, that were R codes um, that had never been, you know, you know, pushed out to other categories. And at that time, we were querying 2.3 million for 2021, right? Mm-hmm. Now, this yeah. changed. They did finally publish a snapshot of the 2021 data in the medical surveillance uh, monthly reports. And uh, I'll see how big I can make this here. Um, and the R codes are down to 1.35 million, which is still several hundred thousand more than previously, um, but we're going to have to rerun all the queries. And uh, Mark Bashaw has already started doing some of that um, to see. Like now, we we're going to have better signals in all the other categories because yeah. these have a million injuries and illnesses have been portioned out to these other ambulatory reports, and now they will have higher signals than they did before. So anybody who wanted to stop and say, "Oh, no signals or noise at that time," you know, incorrect. The, there was just a lot that was waiting there, like the dam hadn't trickled down into into the the rest of the ecosystem yet so anyhow i wanted to point that out can you check the proportions that they go up whether whether it's i or j yeah we um i I have those queries literally was given them yesterday so i have not had time to or i was given them friday maybe Um, i mean when when you do the runs can you make sure you do uh like oh absolutely i'll do the i's and the j's i'll send it all to you all right cool all right um I don't have any other slides for the R's. Um, oh, there's this age analysis I did, which I think is pretty neat. Um, 
you know, we're, we're, it's already two hours, but as I went through this, that remember I said at the beginning, the 75.0 from 2021 is pretty low and how significant it is. Well, it turns out that if you do a bunch of math as to what it was expected and you take the excess each year, the excess in 2020, the year of COVID, the, the, the excess expected age range, like what you would need in the excess to bring the overall age range to what was previously normal, which was 75.3 to 75.8. You would need that to be 79.0 to 82.5, and yet it was 81.3 right in the middle. So let's look in the bottom right here in step four. You see that the teal blue, uh, the 81.3 of COVID was right in this range of what it would take excess to bring average age to normal. It's right where it should be. And then if you go to the next year, you remember the, uh, the 75.0. In order to be 75.0, you would expect the excess to be in this 59 to 69 range. And yet the average age of COVID that year was 75.8. It's it's so far out of range in the same comparison of what COVID is. It's like, that's not COVID. It's not COVID. It's just, you're killing people somewhere between seven and 15 years younger. Right. There's a certain, and what John's doing here, there's a certain proportion, there's a certain number of deaths that are just going to happen every year. Happen in similar proportions, number of people who die in car accidents, number of people who pass away, you know, at an elderly age in their sleep or from a respiratory illness or something. And and so, you, but you you look at the, the excess on top and you say, you know, total number of age of years that all those people have lived added up and then what is the excess added up and the excess number of deaths and when you see these numbers change when you see their proportions the average age of the excess of the of the unit of like standard unit of excess dead when you see that range change so dramatically from 79 to 82.5 is a range of 59 to 69. These are not even overlapping ranges. And in John's in bottom left slide right there, um, the average age of someone who died from COVID was initially inside that expected age band. And then in 2021, it's not even there anymore. So we're, these excess deaths can't even be COVID deaths. They can't be. Yeah, they're wicked young. And uh, so, you know, what I established in the whole thing is that 2020 was respiratory, 2021 was younger and blood related. That's the summary of the whole thing. You know, this is just a longer way to put it, but this is really the summary. And it, the data shows it. <clears throat> um, and then the individual records, when I, when I looked for, uh, when I correlated the bears deaths to the death certificates, you saw... Um, you know, one day, one day, two days, five minutes, three hours, all those people dying from the vaccine, they weren't dying of pneumonia. You know, they were dying of, of a cardiac and pulmonary emboli and, and um, arrhythmia, uh, circulatory system. Uh, oh, strokes, lots of strokes, right? You saw lots of strokes, arrhythmia. You saw the individual records correlated with the data in specific, not just I-codes, but specific I-codes. It's all proven top to bottom, individual yeah. record to full data. Yeah. Um, 
the variable of vaccination changed the pandemic entirely in a yep. way that is not associated with any any known other you know outbreak of anything in history and you know we can see that very specifically in the massachusetts data anybody else who who opens up their system to john and, and i'll help john john you know john mentioned to me he could put together a team of five people and we could go into a state and, and, and in a week we could have this accomplished now that it's been templated one time any so, any any state that lets us in within one week lets us in we'll tell you whether this vaccine is killing people or not i mean i already know matthew already knows uh but it'll just be data and we, we can't fudge the data they're just keeping us from the information the two databases have never been correlated um i have two pieces of legislation that i'm proposing one of them will be taken up by a state in a state legislation legislature um, if other states adopt it that would be great and it would cause the public to be saved from from this kind of thing um, it basically it's a check mark so that a signal would be automatically found in quarterly or semi-annual reports from the state everybody would know but they, they don't want it known they want to bury all this you can see how buried it is. We found all the hidden signals. So I appreciate everybody's time. I'm sorry, two freaking hours. Wow. Yeah, uh, thank you so much for your time and energy. Um, yeah, I appreciate it. And I have uh, some of John's slides that may be that in future presentations, uh, he, he's, he's allowed me to have his slide deck here. So I can insert some of them into in order to try to make coherent arguments about, you know, other other pieces of data from other places. And I think that that over the next few months, uh, we're going to be able to to tie a lot of things together that we weren't able to tie together before. But thanks so much, John, for joining us. And uh, anything else you want to say before before we wrap things up, before we uh, do the outro? Uh, I don't know what that last thing was that you said, but. Uh... <laughs> oh, the outro, just the music that we play at the end of the of the. Oh, yeah, you know, I, I have the cellos <laughs> that go. Uh, somebody made pretty cello music for me. Is that from a movie? Um, a sci fi it, movie? movie? I, I found an artist, and um, and okay. you know, she was a good cellist, and I liked her stuff. And asked her if she could do it, she said, Yeah, <laughs> I, there's a movie I'm thinking of. Um, it was, I think, the last movie my son saw, and, and the music from it, I think, is very, very similar. Um, so it, it, your, your music caught me. Um, Definitely. So thank you very much. Thank your audience, uh, whoever is still listening. Um, and have a good night, everybody. Yeah, thank you, John. Um, this is one of the absolute most important um, projects during the entire pandemic, because this is getting down to, you know, we can see what has happened, right? Um, there, There's no hiding the fact that the pandemic changed, that that the people dying after the vaccination campaign. I, I think that, that it points to 2020 being a, a year of um, iatrogenocide of people who um, died more because of neglect than anything else, neglect or being pushed off a cliff from Desivere or whatever. Um, and, and now we have the vaccines harming people in a completely different way. So thanks for joining us. And uh, please, you know, spread the, spread this uh, video out to uh, people that you know who are interested in the nitty gritty of the data. And, um, you know, let's figure out what's going on. Thank you.